Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Session 26, the angels around the throne. Now, you probably have heard before about the, uh, the, arch, the seven archangels. That's probably a term that you have heard uh, uh, in times past for one reason or another. Um, probably um, some of what you've heard is uh, accurate. Some of what you've heard, maybe not. Um, the first thing I want to start with is I want to describe that the term, the seven archangels, isn't in the Bible. But archangel just means chief angels. Okay, that, that word arch just in that terminology just means the chief angels, the, the chief among all the angels. So these seven that we're going to look at are seen as the chief among all the angels. And as we read the various descriptions, calling them chief among the angels seems very apt. I mean, that's, that is an appropriate term uh, for, for these angels. But just so you know, we get that term, the archangels, from Jewish tradition. And it's even from Jewish tradition that we get their names because they're not listed in the Bible. It doesn't say, and these are the seven archangels, and here are their names, one, two, three, five, six, seven. Uh, we don't have them listed that way. That's not, that's not a, a biblically um, uh, described reality. Now, the concept of there being these chief angels and the likelihood of a couple of their names being names that we're very familiar with seems very likely, but most of what we get about this concept of the seven archangels is from Jewish tradition and not from uh, Bible passages. Okay, so uh, the, the part B here in uh, Roman numeral one says the traditional list. The traditional list of, uh, of archangels I gave you there, letter B, starts off with Michael and Gabriel, two that we know, but there's also uh, Raphael, Uriel, Ramiel, Sariel, and Ragul. And so we've got these seven that are kind of the the, um, this is in, in tr- church history uh, and Jewish tradition as well as church history talks, tells us about these uh, seven angels. When we see these archangels listed, this is the traditional list, okay? But it's not the only list. There's an alternative traditional modified list that I gave you. There's also other ways that these are talked about. I don't want to go into all that. I don't think you need to remember all their names. That's not my point. I just wanted to kind of talk about them because it's such a, uh, a, a prominent theme in the book of Revelation is these seven unnamed chief angels in the book of Revelation. In, again, in Revelation, they're not named. Uh, it seems very likely to me that Michael and Gabriel are two of them, and then the other five are, they got names, I'm sure. And so uh, anyway, I just wanted you to kind of see that, and uh, there's not really any you know, point to session or uh, uh, Roman numeral one, except that I just wanted you to know that in church history, they're listed a little bit differently. They're named a little bit differently. And as far as biblically, we don't have any passage uh, that says these are the seven and here are their names. Um, so now you know that with a little bit of a disclaimer. But now that you know that we're going to be talking about these seven and thinking of them as the chief angels, the main guys in heaven, the the seven that are uh, given a specific place of prominence, now that we know that that's sort of the, the backdrop, uh, now we can dive into what the scripture actually does say and the details that are listed clearly. And so uh, here we're in uh, uh, Roman numeral two, the seven angels who stand before God. So what we're going to do now is we're going to break down what the scriptures say 
And we're going to talk about the, uh, the seven angels that stand before God. We're going to talk about the seven spirits of God. We're going to talk about the seven lamps before God. We're going to kind of break all this down and, uh, and describe these angels from uh, various uh, angles. Okay, So part two here, the seven angels before God. Now, what we want to do is we want to recognize that there is so much information about these seven but honestly, there's a little bit of mystery uh, about these seven as well. And so uh, I want to be upfront with that and say that um, there are a bunch of points I'm going to make tonight that are very clearly related. They're very clearly related, but I don't want to be so dogmatic as to say, for sure, this means this, this means this, means this. So I, I'm just saying that on the front end. There's a little bit of mystery here. They're for sure related. Uh, but I want to just give a little bit of wiggle room there because uh, as I've stared at these, I don't know, maybe it's 20 verses, mostly out of the book of Revelation. As I've stared at these 20 verses related to these seven angels, um, a, a storyline uh, develops that's pretty clear to me. And my hope tonight is to make it as clear as possible to you. But my real hope is to provoke you to go look at these 20 verses on your own and meditate on them and, uh, and chew on them and see what revelation that the Lord would give you. Okay. So, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at Revelation 8-2, middle of page 2 there. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets, uh, and seven trumpets were given to them. Now, first I want to point out, these are called the seven angels. Okay, they're called the seven, and we see that they stand before God. Now, we know that God is on His throne, in the throne room. We've been looking at that in past weeks. Okay, So God is on his throne and these seven stand in front of him. So they're in the throne room. All right, It's a given that they're also in heaven. But Revelation 15.1 also says, John saying, I saw in heaven these seven angels. So we know that these seven angels, they are positioned before the throne of God in heaven. So as you're imagining what the throne room looks like, make sure to include these seven chief angels in your picture. All right? Well, we want to talk more about these seven. They are called the seven. And that, that term, the seven, this distinguishing term of instead of them being additional seven angels or, you know, hey, I saw another group and uh, maybe they were, you know, big or small or undefined. They're called the seven, the seven. And that's one of the main reasons that they're identified as the archangels or the chief angels is because they're this group that is defined as the seven, and they're talked about over and over in the book of Revelation. They're called the seven. And so here's a Revelation 15, verse 6 through 8, uh, top of page 3. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen, and they wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. It, it's just a, a theme that shows up repeatedly in the book of Revelation. Distinguishing these seven angels from all the other angels. Making them distinct. They have got unique capacity. They have got unique assignments. They, are, uh, they have a unique position. They're the seven that stand before him. You guys catching? 
They also have weighty responsibility because these are the seven that are also the ones that release the judgments. Okay? So when God wants to get judgments done, he calls one of his seven or all seven of his seven to get the job done. These are the seven that release the, uh, the trumpets judgments in the book of Revelation. They're the seven that release the bowl judgments in the book of Revelation. These are some powerful angels with weighty responsibility. So it is right to refer to them as the archangels or the chief angels or the angels, the seven, uh, because they have got a, a significant role before the throne. Okay, now that we've got it clear that there are seven archangels before the throne, now let's talk about the seven spirits before the throne. Okay, you're probably familiar with the seven spirits of God. That's maybe a term that you've heard. Uh, it's possible that you've heard a teaching that will be very different from the one I'm about to present. And I would just encourage you to look at the verses and chew on them and don't believe me and don't believe the other guy. Why don't you read the verses and come to your own conclusions? But there are seven spirits before the throne. So here's Revelation 3.1. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. All right, now we'll, we'll see later that they're before the throne. Uh, that part I'll make clear here in a, a few um, points. But we see here that the seven spirits of God, so there's one who holds the seven spirits, okay? So these seven spirits are in his hand, all right? The seven spirits of God. Now, one of the points I'd just like to make is that Hebrews 1.14 tells us that are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. The reason I bring this up is because in the Revelation verse we just read, we're reading about the seven spirits of God, and they're again called the seven spirits. These are the, it's not just seven spirits, it's the seven spirits. These are the ones that are defined as prominent, predominant. They are the seven spirits. And we see in uh, Hebrews 1 that angels are called ministering spirits. These seven angels that are before the throne of God, we just looked at, they go out on God's behalf and accomplish His purposes, okay? If you can't tell, I think these are the same uh, groups of, uh, of uh, it's the same group of angels. All right, they are before the throne. This is now Revelation 1, 4 through 5. Uh, bottom of page 3. Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne. These seven spirits are before the throne of God, just like the seven angels are before the throne of God. All right? So, so picture this. I think what's happening here is these seven spirits, or, or these seven angels, here in Revelation 1 through 4, are being called the seven spirits, and elsewhere they're referred to as the seven angels. Again, these seven spirits, these seven angels. All right. Well, let's keep moving. It says here in Revelation 4, 5, a little bit later in the book of Revelation, just a few chapters after what we just read, in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Again, before the throne. All right, so it's, we've got to get this real clear that the seven angels, the seven archangels, Michael, Gabriel, if those are part of them, which I think they probably are, they're positioned before the throne. These seven are before the throne. I, th I think it's the same group. They're also, however, called... The seven eyes of the Lord and the seven eyes of the Lamb. So let's look here now. Zechariah 4.10. 
Who dares despise the day of small beginnings since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. This is now eyeballs rejoicing. Okay? The seven eyes of the Lord. Eyes don't typically rejoice. These aren't eyes in the natural sense. These are the primary seven messengers before the throne that are sent out on behalf of God and they rejoice when they see the plumb line or the capstone put in the hands of Zerubbabel. What that meant was Zerubbabel completed the temple. He built the house of prayer in his generation. When Zerubbabel completed the house of prayer in his generation, the seven eyes of the Lord or the seven spirits of God before the throne, they rejoiced. They rejoiced. So you just imagine the seven archangels throwing a party in the presence of God because the house of prayer, and remember, Jesus is the one that said, my house will be called a house of prayer. The house of prayer had been rebuilt on the earth, and now the seven archangels before the throne are all excited, and they're throwing a party, and they're rejoicing because this moment has finally occurred on the earth. That's what's being talked about there. It says they're sent out into the earth. Revelation 5, 6. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes. We know that we just read that the seven eyes of the Lord. Now we're reading about the seven eyes of the lamb. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The, these spirits, are, these eyes, these spirits, these angels are sent out into all the earth to accomplish his purposes. Just like what we see when they do in the book of Revelation in the judgments. They go out to accomplish his purposes. These seven, are the spirit, the, uh, which are the seven spirits of God, are sent out into all the earth. Well, For those of you who've been tracking, and if you haven't been, this next point might be a little, you may not quite get it. Just ask your friend. Uh, We looked at the book of Revelation, the letters to the churches, the seven churches. And the letters to the seven churches are each addressed to an angel. And each one of these angels is given a letter, and then the angel is to deliver that letter to that church. In other words, these seven angels are sent out into all the earth, to deliver messages. They're sent out. I gave you here Revelation 2, 1 through 7 was one of the seven examples of the letters. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, so to the angel, write a letter to an angel. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Whoever has an ear, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is making it really clear that this letter was for the churches, but it was written to an angel The angel took the letter and got it to the church. He was sent out into the earth. And in that particular uh, case, he was sent out into all these seven, or sent out into all of Asia Minor. So these seven were released into the region of Asia Minor, just like we see that the seven eyes of the Lord go out into all the earth and to accomplish the purposes of the Lord. All right. Their connection to the seven lampstands. So now let's look at the seven lampstands. All right, as stated uh, in previous sessions, there are seven lampstands that are also before the throne, and these seven lampstands, we're told, are the seven churches in the book of Revelation. They are those seven churches, and I believe that those seven churches, in addition to being those actual seven churches in the book of Revelation, those seven, I believe, also represent the church in the earth because the message that's given to all seven churches Every time it was said, hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to the churches. 
And so you can tell there's this interconnectivity between these angels, these churches, these letters, these messages, stuff that's coming out from heaven to these lampstands. The lampstands are called the, uh, the churches before the Lord. So I gave you there Revelation 1, 12 through 13. I turned and saw a voice speaking to me. And when I had turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. So this is in heaven before the throne. There are seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. That's Jesus. Part B, top of page 5. The seven lampstands are the churches. Revelation 2.1, Revelation 1.20. These are the words of him who walks among the golden lampstands. Get the picture of Jesus walking among the lampstands. He's walking among them. He's with his church. Revelation 1.20, what are these lampstands? The mystery of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. All right, that's review. Now, let's talk about what goes on top of a lamp stand. Hopefully you don't just have a lamp stand, kind of like we don't just have a microphone stand. A microphone stand without a microphone on top is not a lot of help. A microphone stand is supposed to hold a microphone. A lamp stand is supposed to hold a lamp. Right. So the lamps are on top of the lamp stand. So here we have Revelation 4, 5, and 5, 6 describing this reality. All right? In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. Lamp stands aren't blazing. Lamp stands are a stand. Lamps are blazing. And before the throne, so now again, picture in heaven, before the throne, there are seven lamps blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God are on top of the seven lampstands. Okay, you tracking? The seven spirits of God, that's the angels, these seven angels, they're on top of the lampstands, on top of the churches. They are these lamps that are burning brightly that are connected to these churches. Lampstands hold lamps. I gave you that there. I'll skip over it. It's kind of redundant. The seven stars are the seven blazing lamps. Now, if you're like, man, there's so many seven, seven, seven. Listen, it's really not that difficult. It's these seven angels being talked about in ten different ways. Okay? It's the seven angels before the throne that are the archangels, that are the primary ministers of God, that are the judgment angels of God, that are the primary ambassadors of God. They are the, the guardian angels before the throne. They are the seven. They are called the seven spirits of God. They're called the seven eyes of God. They go out to the, all the earth to accomplish his purposes, to investigate things, to deliver his judgments, to deliver his messages. These are the seven. So now think about the ministry that you can just imagine of Gabriel and Michael. Think about any time in the scriptures that Gabriel or Michael show up, what are they doing? They're acting on behalf of God, like legitimate straight from the, home, from the throne acting on behalf of God. They are talking on behalf of God. They are executing judgment. They are uh, bringing a message. It's the exact activity that we see in Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation related to these seven archangels. They are the eyes of God going and investigating things. They're the ones that are releasing his judgments. They're the ones that are, that are bringing about his purposes. They are the seven lamps. They're the seven uh, stars. They're the seven eyes of God. They're the seven spirits. They're the seven angels, the seven angels before the throne. And here we have part E, bottom of page 5. The seven stars are the seven lamps. Read this to you. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. I'm going to read that verse to you real quick. It's the, if you're looking at part E, 
It's the verse right above it. It says, From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. So we know that those are the spirits of God before the throne. Then it says that uh, Revelation 1.16 and then also one uh, twenty says, In his right hand he held seven stars. Uh, verse uh, 120 says, The mystery of the seven stars that you saw on the right hand of God, uh, in my right hand, and of the seven lampstands is this, the seven stars are the seven angels. Let me read that one more time. The mystery of the seven lamps in my hand, uh, I'm sorry, the mystery of the seven stars in my hand. Read that. The mystery of the seven stars in my hand is this, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So we see bef- that, that God is got these seven stars before him that are the angels of the seven churches, and we see that the seven uh, spirits of God are on top of the lampstands. They are the lamps, okay? These are the same angels. The angels are, they're, in one case, they're called stars. In, one, in another case, they're called lamps. If you just think about that, both of them are brightly illuminating. They, they are, they are uh, bringing forth the brilliance and the glory of God. They are actually bright. Uh, you know, they are, they are lamps in the night kind of a, a concept. These seven angels are the guards of the churches. Now, Revelation one twenty again, these seven, or the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. They're the angels of those churches. Those, those churches have angels that are looking over them, that are taking care of them, that are guarding them, that are protecting them, that are in relationship to them. That church knows, uh, well, in the spirit, if, they, if that church was purely discerning, that church would recognize, that's our angel. The angels, with clear discernment from heaven, go, that's my church. These are the seven uh, uh, stars, or the seven angels of the seven churches. And the seven spirits of God are also the seven churches. And so, so let's, uh, not, not they're also the seven churches. The seven spirits of God are serving the seven churches. All right. Now, I want to give you part G, letter G, because it's the only verse that in my mind remains a bit mysterious. Okay? Uh, of the 20 verses that we're looking at here in the book of Revelation related to the seven spirits, the seven stars, the seven lamps, the seven this, the seven that, the, uh, the only verse that remains a bit of a mystery, but it's really not any more of a mystery than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, but it's one God, you know. God does things that are a little different than we can uh, understand. But nonetheless, I want to point out that Revelation 3.1 says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, seemingly making, well, clearly making, in my mind, seemingly making these two things distinct. But the seven stars are the seven angels, are the seven spirits. So that's, I just want to give you that verse to chew on, for you to kind of meditate on. For me, it's not so problematic, but it is a bit mysterious. Because we see in this particular verse that the seven spirits of God are in God's hands, but also the seven stars. Let me tell you how I would uh, rectify that. God has been talking about the seven spirits in, in a specific context and what they do and their assignment. And he talks about the seven spirits in relationship to their ministry from God going out. 
That's how he talks about the seven spirits. They are dispatched from God to go out and accomplish God's purposes. That's the primary way that the seven spirits are talked about. But the seven stars are primarily talked about from the church's perspective. The seven stars are primarily talked about as the, the ones who belong to the churches, the ones that are overlooked, overseeing the churches, the ones who are uh, delivery messengers to the churches. And so I'm looking at this as actually a way that God is trying to connect. Uh, rather, John, who's writing the book of Revelation, is trying uh, to, to show us forth here what's happening as Jesus is dictating these letters. I think this is actually the Holy Spirit highlighting these two things in, a, in the same reality, but highlighting their different functions. Okay, In one sense, they're the seven spirits that go out. In another sense, they're the seven stars that are guarding. And uh, it's almost like... The, the, uh, the spirit is the, um, the picture of what's going out, and the stars is the picture of what's coming to the church, okay? All right. Well, one thing's for sure. Whatever's going on here with these seven, they have a very unique place in heaven. They have a, a very unique position and role and authority, and there is a bit of mystery that kind of uh, masks them, but I would encourage you, if you're like, I am so tired of hearing you say the number seven. I can't hear it anymore. I'm leaving. I want to encourage you, slow down, get quiet, get in the prayer room, get in your own room, and read these verses one after another and do the math yourself. If this has been a bit confusing, it's, it's just because it's there's a lot of sevens, okay? But if you'll go slow enough, I promise you this will make sense. Just go read all these verses, all right? Okay. Well, the last point that I want to make, and then we'll break up into our uh, groups tonight, is that these seven angels, the archangels before the throne, the seven, they are the ones that execute God's judgments, okay? Now, we don't know if they're the only ones that execute God's judgments, um, but it seems like you could make a fair case to say that they are. We don't know that to be true. But what we do know is they are the main seven that every time there's judgments going on in the book of Revelation, they're the ones behind it. These seven are releasing these judgments. So I gave you here the seven trumpets. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven, and seven trumpets were given to them. And then they go blow those trumpets and every uh, bit of judgment comes forth all seven times. Next, uh, again, another verse that says more or less the same thing. But then a little bit later in Revelation, now we've got seven bowls. And it says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels, again, it's the same seven angels, these seven angels, now they're given seven golden bowls. So a minute ago they had a trumpet in their hand and they were blowing trumpets and announcing judgments. Now they're holding bowls in their hands and they're pouring the bowls out and they're pouring out judgments. It says, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels the seven golden bowls, Filled with the wrath of God. These seven, you just imagine this for a second. These seven angels weren't created for the end times. These seven angels have been serving in this role before the throne for a long time. It's not like this is the first time they ever touched a judgment. These guys, when God wants to get something done on the earth, he uses these seven. Okay, these are the seven before the throne they're the ones equipped with the trumpet. They're the ones equipped with the bowl. I would just argue that they are the ones who were released in the scenario of Sodom and Gomorrah. Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gateway to the city. 
when he saw them, he got up to meet them and he bowed his face to the ground. And then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Just like he's going to pour down the wrath that comes out of the bowls or the wrath that's going to come out of the trumpets. You know, really it wasn't the angels. When, when the seven trumpets are blown and the seven bowls are poured out, it's not those angels actually doing the thing. It's them blowing a trumpet and things occurring. It's them pouring out a bowl and things occurring. The seven judgment angels. Well, here we see angels showing up and cataclysmic judgment being released on Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? And just for kicks, uh, we see in the book of uh, Matthew that Jesus refers to the end times, and one of the ways that he refers to it is it will be like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And talking about that kind that context. And so here you've got these angels pouring out these judgments on Sodom and Gomorrah. The plagues of Egypt are very similar to the plagues of the book of Revelation. And we're told that those ten, uh, those ten judgments that were released in the book of, uh, of Exodus, when the ten major plagues of Egypt, you could call Egypt and the plagues of Egypt, you could call that a dress rehearsal for the end times. Okay? It's the people of God being delivered out from underneath a wicked king. And it's God judging the people who will not let the people, uh, his people go. And he's bringing about these judgments, and it's the same judgment. Judgment of darkness, uh, the judgment of the, the water turning to blood. The judge, and there's so many of the judgments that we see in Exodus that are the exact same judgments, but on a global scale, found in the book of Revelation. So I just want to make that point, but now I'll say it this way. Psalm 78 tells us that the book of Exodus judgments, the, the period of the Exodus, the plagues of Egypt, that the plagues of Egypt were released by destroying angels. All right, so here we go, uh, Psalm 78. He unleashed against them in his hot anger, his wrath, indignation, and hostility, a band of destroying angels. And he prepared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave them over to the plague. He struck down all the firstborn of Egypt. Now this absolutely refers to the striking down of the firstborn of Egypt. That was one of the plagues. But how did all those other plagues happen? Oh, unrelated to angels. No, it's released by a band of destroying angels. And I believe it's the seven angels that are before the throne because they're the ones that are blowing the trumpets and the bowls and uh, are blowing the trumpets, pouring out the bowls in the book of Revelation. And they're releasing the same judgments that were released in the book of Exodus. Okay, lots to talk about, right? How many we got tonight, Andy? So three groups, and how many should be in each group? Eight or nine. So we're going to break up into groups. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and go into our time of Q&A, and um, as we do every week, I'll repeat the questions just so that we can make sure that the questions are uh, on the recording as well as those that are watching on Facebook Live that they can hear your questions. So uh, we'll start in the back there. Uh, Andy, with you guys. Yeah, so the question was related to these seven angels in, in Revelation 2 and 3. We see that they are over the seven churches. And uh, the question was, okay, so, but 
what about the rest of the churches on the planet, both in that time and now? How do these seven angels relate uh, to the seven church or, or to the, the overall total number of churches in the earth? Well, uh, just a couple of points that, one, I don't think we can know definitively these types of answers like concretely, but I'll throw you some ideas that are definitely connected that might help us uh, understand it better. These seven angels are the seven that are uh, connected to the seven churches in Asia Minor, but they're also the seven angels that pour out global judgments out of one bowl. So somehow one angel has the capacity to do something planetary. <laughs> you know, this angel it, with a bowl, he pours it out, and when he pours out that bowl, the contents of that bowl judge the entire seven continents of the earth, even though it's one angel with one bowl. So part of the reason that we would call these the chief angels or the archangels is because the scope of their influence, the ministry assignment that they have is global. Now, anything that's global also is going to have uh, more localized assignments that make up the global purpose. And so, uh, so actually, I would think that when we look at the book of, uh, or when we look at chapter 2 and 3, and we see these seven angels interacting with only seven churches, we're actually seeing the small side of their ministry assignment and not the capacity of their ministry assignment. And so, uh, so I would think that these seven angels, uh, yeah, they've got some measure of jurisdiction uh, uh, over, you know, the, you know, the way that Andy asked the question is, do they each have one-seventh of the church in the earth? Probably, maybe, somehow. I, who knows how that's split up? Who knows? Because in, in that particular case, these seven were all responsible for churches within just a few hundred mile, square mile region. So it, it might be a little too American to think of them as geographically, while there's seven continents or seven angels, each angel gets a continent. I, I think it's probably far more complex than that. However it plays out, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it's good that we keep renaming cities all the same thing. So you got... You know, the city of Philadelphia and the city of Philadelphia and the city of Philadelphia. We got Italy, Texas. I mean, you know, so it's like, I'm sure that's not how it works. I'm sure it's not the, 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 only, the angel only gets all the churches in the earth named Philly. Um, but I, there's some way that it works in the plan of God where uh, those aspects are, are connected. Again, back to the bowls. The seven angels that are given the seven bowls of God's wrath, each one of those bowls is global but does something different to the planet than all the other bulls do. So there's a way that an angel can have global influence, global impact, but just like his buddy has got global impact, but the two of them are impacting in a different way. And so, uh, so the short answer is I don't know. Okay, uh, question over here. Okay, so the question is, when these angels are dispatched, uh, what form do they take? I'll, I'll just simplify it that way. 
any form they like. Um, there, there are times where angels show up and they look like a person and, and they're called a person. And then there's times that they show up and it freaks a donkey out so bad um, that the donkey won't move. Um, you know, and there's, then there's times where these angels are going to show up in the sky with these bowls and they're going to pour it out. But this is just like Jesus. Jesus would appear even in the Old Testament and he would appear and uh, he would seem to be like a man. Uh, but then there were times where he would appear in great brilliance and, and brightness. Even after the resurrection, Jesus appeared and he was just like their buddy Jesus. But then he also appeared in you know, the Mount of Transfiguration and he was in the brightness of his glory. So, so the, the uh, and all, honestly, all of that is part of the pattern for what our reality will be like in the next age. It says that we will be like the angels. And there'll be times, no doubt, in the next age where we will appear in total brilliance and brightness and look in all the magnificence and glory of a resurrected body. And then there'll be other times where we probably won't have that level of uh, brilliance and, uh, and manifestation. The other thing, too, that we just want to make sure that we understand is these are the seven angels. These are the mighty ones, the, you know, the big seven or whatever, but they're not the only ones. Again, that verse in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 114, I think, it said that are not all angels ministering spirits. So the entire host of heaven that could be defined as an angel is a ministering spirit to help humans on the planet. So every angel is being used. And who knows, maybe that whole host, I'm, I don't know this to be true. Maybe that whole host of angels are broken up into seven troops. And each of them is assigned to one of these archangels. And so one of these archangels needs to get some things done. And maybe he even delegates it. One thing we do know is all angels are ministering spirits that are sent to help human beings on the earth to do stuff. And so all of the angels of heaven engage with the, the saints on the earth and, and the purposes of the, the Lord on the earth, not just these seven. So sometimes it might be one of any number of the hundreds of millions of angels that's on the earth doing work, uh, and it doesn't have to be just one of the seven uh, that we see listed in the book of Revelation. So, good enough answer? Helpful a little bit? Question over here, or did we have a duplicate question, or what, what do we have over here? Yeah, it's a good question. So the question is, uh, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. It says very clearly that the lamb releases the seven seals. But it says then that the seven angels, these archangels, they're the ones that release the trumpets and the bowls. Why? Well, part of the reason is Jesus comes back at the seventh trumpet. So Jesus is part of the trumpet reality. And uh, and. But he himself wants to get the party started. So when the, the great tribulation begins, it's not the devil starting the great tribulation. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who opens the seals. He is the lamb who is found worthy. He opens the seals. And those judgments are of a different order. When you look at the, the judgments uh, that are found in the seven seals, and then you look at how much the problems escalate when you go to the trumpets and then the bowls of wrath. It is my uh, um, you know, kind of picture here that you've got Jesus releasing 
the absolute lightest forms of the judgments. Then you've got the angels at the end who release the bowls of wrath. They're releasing the fullness of God's wrath, the fullness, the bowls filled with God's fury, okay? But then those angels are also serving in the intermediary role of the judgments that are a significant step up from the seals, but they're not quite, they're not near as intense as the bowls. And so, you know, why did Jesus uh, not have the, tr- the angels uh, release uh, the, the, the judgments of the seals? I, I don't know, but it makes it really clear that he didn't. Uh, you know, in Revelation uh, chapter 4, Jesus is given the scroll. In Revelation uh, chapter 6, he begins to open the seals. It says the lamb opened the first seal, the lamb opened the second seal. Uh, the lamb is opening the seals. And I think there's something far more diplomatic, and um, it's, it's even less about judgment. It, judgment is definitely part of what's happening as Jesus opens those seals. But it's, it's, in my mind, it's even less about judgment and more about justice. It's more about this transitioning of the lamb now engaging the planet real time and releasing these things that are going to change the, the landscape and change the atmosphere. He's beginning to release judgments Um, But it's really just a setup for what's coming and even a setup for his coming, uh, which uh, which comes just a little bit after uh, the seals have all been opened. So great question. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.